Welcome to the NECF Podcast, where we share our weekly sermons and faithfully interpret the Bible to encourage and direct you on your spiritual path. We're our devoted pastors and special guests delve into the depths of the Bible, exploring its profound lessons and useful applications for your daily life. So why should you practice the word of the Lord? You should practice the word of the Lord because... This is your new reality. This is your new food. Join us as we explore the timeless truth that have the power to change people's hearts and minds, promoting a closer relationship with God and a firm belief in His promises. So today we're going, I'm going to start something with us and it's something I've been thinking about, studying about, and it is the effect of the Holy Spirit in your life. Before I thought about the potential of the Holy Spirit, but the effect of the Holy Spirit in your life. What does the Holy Spirit do in your life? Or how should a believer operate? How should a believer operate? And I want us to start from James chapter 1. James chapter 1. James chapter 1. Verse 22. He said, But be doer, but be doers of the world and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and is not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. And he obs- for he observes himself, goes away, and immediately he forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks, he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of works. But a doer of work, this one will be blessed in whatever he does. Praise the Lord. This one is blessed in whatever he does. It is deceiving to hear the word of the Lord, to be taught by God or to read or to study the word of the Lord and not do. That is what James describes as deceiving yourself. That you come to a place where you are able to be transformed. You come to a thing that is able to change your life. You encounter something that is able to change your life or transform your life or make you become that which God wants you to be. And you go and not do that thing. And not do the thing that can transform you. James calls it deceiving yourself. The way that you know that something is a part of you is that you practice such things. How you know something is part of you is that there is a manifestation of it. There is a practice of it. There is manifestation. If the word of the Lord comes to you, how it is known that this is a part of you, this has become part of your daily living, is that there is practice, there is a manifestation. And so nobody needs to tell you, oh, I don't see you, or I don't don't see these things about in your life. The way it will be known that something has happened to you is that it is a part of you. Praise the Lord. Just like you will start up a conversation with some people and maybe we're talking about this topic and the person is quiet. But when you move to other topic, you know, somebody that you look at or somebody who never, who seem not to be talking, all of a sudden they are talking because it's their interest. It's a part of them. So James is saying that you have come to the word of the Lord. You have heard what God is saying. 
You've understood what he's saying to you, right? The word has been brought to you time and time again through the preachers and through his word and through, you know, YouTubes or messages that you're listening to. And then you go, it's like, wow, that was wonderful. Don't leave it as that was wonderful. You want to make that thing a part of you because it's that thing that is able to transform your life. Do you practice the word of the Lord? Do you practice the word of the Lord? It is a proof that people can see that you're a child of God. This is a proof. This is what people can understand and say, you are a child of God. Because you practice. They see something about you. And it's like, okay, why do you do that? Why do you behave like this? Why do you talk like this? Why do you move like this? Why is your mannerism like this? It's because the word of the Lord has come to you and it has become a part of you. People don't see your spirit. They don't see, oh, I'm a born again. They don't see your spirit. They don't understand it. They don't see it. They don't know what happened to you. Right? Your salvation experience is not, is not made available to everyone to, 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 see, to see that which at what point it happened to you. But what they see is a proof. What they can say, oh, I believe this person is a child of God. There is a proof about it. Praise the Lord. And this proof is not, is not which we're going to look even as we go. It's not that which is like, do this, do that, do this. I'm saying that if something is a part of you, it comes out. If something has, if you have encountered something, it will show. If you have delighted in something, it will show. Praise the Lord. And in verse 25 of that same place, he said, But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of work, this one will be blessed in what, what he does. Praise the Lord. This one is blessed. So if you come and you look into the word of the Lord, you come and you hear the word of the Lord, there is that part where you need to continue. There is that part where you need to continue to stay. Because in staying, transformations happen. Right? In staying, but he that continues... Is a person that is transformed. The word of the Lord is a refiner's fire. Is he that changes a man? Is that that is able to transform your soul? He that does not do, right? Is either this person doesn't stay with the word of the Lord? Or the person does not practice what they are being taught? Or the person does not understand what happened to them at salvation. You have no idea. Oh, I'm saved. But what, what, what then happens? And I think a lot, of us, a lot of us fall into that trap. Oh, I'm saved. But what should happen after salvation? What is the effect of salvation? Does it have any effect at all in anybody's life? So why should you practice the word of the Lord? What is the need? Why should you do that? Why should you pick the word of the Lord and practice? Well, you should practice it because you're a new creation. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. He's a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Seventeen, just seventeen. So, if anyone, if anyone, if anybody, if you and I are in Christ, he's saying that you're a new creature. You're a new creation. What does that mean? Like you have, you are new. It is not talking about that maybe you are somebody who is, you are repaired. You're not mended. That's not what he's saying. He said you're a new creation. What he's saying is that your reality is new. 
Like there's something new about you. There is no history. That's what he's trying to say to you. That there is no history. You are a new creature. He said all things have passed away. Everything, right, that your body has known that has been done, that has gone away. The experiences that you say it has passed away. You have stopped a old life and now there's something new. The history is wiped away. Praise the Lord. So all things have passed away. Sin and condemnation has passed away. Not being able to, to stay, right? The possibilities of, of righteousness is in you. The reality of righteousness is in you. All things have become new. That everything about you now is new. The thing about you now is new. It's because you are born from above. When Jesus was talking to Nicodemus, he said to him that, except you are born again, right, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. He's saying to him that, look, and that word again is, is talks about to be born from above, right? He's saying that you're not, like I said earlier, it's not like you were mended or repaired. You were born from above. Your where you come from is different now. You were bought or bathed anew from above. Praise the Lord. So this is why you should practice. This is why you should practice. Because to practice is not something that should be difficult to you. Because this is your new reality. This is your new reality. So sometimes it's like, oh, you know, Christianity, they want us to do this, do that, do this, do this, right? And it is true that you should do this and do this and do that. But the mentality is that there is a burdensome, there is something burdensome about what they're asking you to do to you. If you understand your new reality, you will know that this is my normal life. This is now my normal life. Praise the Lord. This is now my normal life. There's a new spirit. There's a new reality. There's a new possibility. You are at peace with God. To what extent have you, have you tried to find out what is the new, this new thing that's happened, these new possibilities, to what extent can I drive it? I remember somebody was, was I think Pastor Poston was saying something about that for 20 years of your life, you've mastered the act of drinking. You know the taste of every wine, every tequila, everything, right? You understand if somebody, if you see the mixture, you can tell it. Have you tried to understand the possibilities of the spirit? What is the possibilities of this, your new life? What can be done with it? Praise the Lord. You are a child of God. You are a child of God. You are a child of God. And earlier when I mentioned that, if you don't do is either you're not staying with the word or you're not practicing that which you're taught or you don't understand what has happened to you. So a person who does not understand what has happened to them, they live a very strange life. They live a very strange life. They are born again, but they, 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 they find themselves in a mixture of behaviors. You're in church, and truly from your heart, you know you, you are saved. But you like to do many other things. And that is because, like I said, you have not decided to find out what has happened to me and what are my new realities and possibilities. It means that you have not been transformed. It means that you have not come to understand the dealings of God in this your new reality. It is because you don't understand what happened to you at salvation or you refuse to exercise yourself in the spirit. Your reality now is different. Your reality now is different. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, 15, 13 to 16. It 
He said, for you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. But true love, serve one another. For all, for all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. I say then, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Praise the Lord. Walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. What happened to you is that you have gained freedom. You have gained freedom. You have peace with God. But he's saying, do not use that freedom. Do not use that liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. That is contrary. That is not supposed. It is a strange thing. To your new reality, is a strange thing. But he's saying that you should love. That love should be that which you should do. Love is that which you should do. And giving opportunity for the flesh, he said, has consequences. He said, if you bite and devour one, you're giving opportunity for something else to happen. He said, walk in the spirit. Walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So your ability to, to stay away from everything that has to do with the flesh is that you walk in the spirit is that you walk in your reality. Don't go back to that which is no longer part of your life. Don't go back to that which is no longer part of your reality. Don't go back to that which God has said you have been set free from. Praise the Lord. So I'm going to try to explain to you what, what happened to you right, at salvation. What happened to you at salvation? Is everybody saved? Is everybody saved? Let's go to the Romans. Romans chapter 8 from verse 1 to 2. He said, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Praise the Lord. He says, therefore, there is now this, there is therefore now no condemnation. Who do not have who are those people that are, do not have condemnation? Those who are in Christ, those who are in Jesus Christ. These are the people that do not have condemnation. The effect of being united with Christ is that there is no condemnation. There is no condemnation. There is no condemnation. Right. That is a legal verdict. He's saying there is no condemnation. He, Christ has looked at you and is like, oh, you are, you're free to go. You're not guilty of your crime anymore. There is the power of the Lord here that you are free. There is no condemnation attached to you. There is no punishment attached to you. This is the reality of the believer. There is no condemnation. And so whenever the devil comes to you, and he likes to do that, time and time again, to bring to your remembrance, because that is one of his tools, the things that has happened in the past, you tell him there is no condemnation. This is what God has done. It is a legal verdict. He has said it. The righteous judge has said, there is no condemnation to you. And then in that same chapter, in verse 3, 
he goes to say, he said, who, who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died. And furthermore, is reason. Who is even at the right hand of the Father? Who also make intercessions for us? Praise the Lord. He said, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, shall distress, shall persecution, shall famine, shall nakedness, or prevail, or sword? There is nothing that is able to separate you from the love of God. There is no condemnation. Who can bring a condemnation against you? A good example is the adulteress, a woman that was caught in adultery in John chapter 8, right? That they have come and they have asked Jesus, what should we do about her? This is what the law says. This is what the law says. And Jesus said to them, if you have no sin, you should stone her. And everybody left. And he was asking her, where are your accusers? Do you know why they left? Because they are not righteous men. Because they are not God. Because they cannot forgive sin. They don't have the ability to forgive sin. Neither can they bring liberation to a man. So the righteous judge said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. So he's saying that, look, although you were caught in adultery, but I'm saying there is no condemnation for you. You're not guilty anymore. Praise the Lord. There is no condemnation. The second effect of being with Christ, in verse 2, he talks about, he said, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Praise the Lord. There is a power there. There is a power of the law of the spirit of life. And there's a power of the law of sin and death. And he is saying that that higher power has removed this power. The law of the spirit of life has come against the law of sin and death. Spirit for sin and life for death. This is the exchange that happened. This is a new reality of the believer. That in the place of sin, there is spirit. In the place of, in the place of death, there is life. The power or, or, or the, the transformative dimension is what we see here. The something has happened. This is what... This is the second effect of being united or being in Christ Jesus. The power, the, the power of the law of the spirit of life has set us free from the power of, of sin and death. Praise the Lord. And all these things happen in Jesus Christ. He said it's happened in Jesus Christ. It happened in Jesus Christ. I just want you to, to just really pay attention so that we really get what we are saying here. It all happened in Jesus Christ. Because it says that there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation to them. And he said the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, it has set us free from the law of sin and death. Praise the Lord. And all these things, like I said, happen in Christ Jesus. So how does one get into Christ Jesus? How did you get into this Christ Jesus? How did you come to a place of no condemnation? How did you get this in Christ Jesus? He said those who are in Christ Jesus. So not everybody is in Christ Jesus. And I implore you today that if you're not in Christ Jesus, you have every opportunity to come to him. Because the gift is free to you. So 
So how do we get into Christ Jesus? 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Chapter 30. He said, but of him you are in Christ Jesus who became to us, for us, wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Praise the Lord. He said, but of him, some other translation, we say from God, right? It is from God or it is because of him, because of God that you are in Christ Jesus. This is the working of God. It is because of God. It is from God that you are in Christ Jesus. Your salvation is from God. It is the plan of God. It is the scheme of God. It's something that God has done. He planned it, he walked it, and he gave it to you. This is the walking of God. That is how we are in Christ Jesus. It is the walking of God. It is the walking of God. In Romans chapter 6, Romans chapter 6, verse 3. So how did God do this thing? How did God, right, do this salvation? How did he bring this thing to us? Or how did he get us in Christ Jesus? Romans chapter 6, verse 3. It says, Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death, Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death. That just as Christ was risen from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we shall also, so even so we shall, we should walk in the newness of life. For if, sorry, for if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also sh shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Praise the Lord. So it is through baptism that we are in Christ Jesus, the walking of God. So do you not know that as many of us are we are baptized into Jesus Christ, we are baptized into his death. So we are baptized into his death. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism. That as Christ was risen from the dead, by the glory of the Father. So we also should walk in the newness of life. So that happened through baptism. Baptism into Jesus Christ. We were baptized into his death. We were buried through, his, through the same baptism. Right? And we are united with him in the newness of life. So how God got us into Christ Jesus is through baptism into his son. In the likeness of his death, in the likeness of his, of his burial, in the likeness of his resurrection, that is how we come to be united with him. And we, were also in the, we also rose in the likeness of his resurrection. That is how God got us in Christ Jesus. So this baptism is portrayed as to be buried with him to be raised with him, and to walk in the newness of life. Praise the Lord. And we learned about baptism in our cell meetings. Uh, the teaching is still ongoing. So we are baptized into Jesus Christ and we are united with him. So then what happened at baptism? What happened at this baptism? Or what happened at my baptism? What happened at my baptism? Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2 verse 12.
He said, buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the walking of God, who raised him from the dead. Praise the Lord. So we were buried and raised with him. We were buried and raised with him through baptism. And that happened through faith in the walking of God. That happened through faith in the walking of God. So faith is the, is the human experience of what happened, right? At the burial, at the resurrection. And that faith is a walking of God. Even the faith that we have, or the, the faith that we have gotten through, is a true faith. That also is a walking of God. That is what God did as well for you. So it's not like you, you believed. You, you, you know, you had faith. It is also the walking of God. So you did not just hear the word of the Lord and you believe. It is God who was walking in you. That he, as the word comes, he's doing something in the inside of you. So maybe if you think about the phrase you've always used, I gave my life to Christ. Because everything that we are saying is suggesting to us that it is nothing that you did. It is not thing, there is nothing that you did. Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I live now in the flesh, I live by faith in the, in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Praise the Lord. He said, I've been crucified with Christ. So see, talking about the, what we saw about baptism, this is the experience. I've been crucified with Christ. The life that I live now, right, it is no longer I who live. I do not go on to, the, the, the life I'm living now is not the same with that one. There is a new reality. The life I live now, I live in Christ Jesus. So even your new reality, even the, your new walking is in Christ Jesus. It is not a way that you, you made up. It is not a way that you made up. That way that you have designed for yourself, that prayerlessness, right? That lack of study is not sustainable. Don't create another way. It's a live in Christ Jesus. The, the living is in Christ Jesus. That way that you have made for yourself, that you say, oh, I'm abroad. You know, nothing really happens here. I'll just chill, relax. Nobody is chasing me and all of those things, right? That way is not sustainable. That way will cause you to fail. He said, your new reality, you, you, you did not, you were not, you did not, come to Cyprus and all of a sudden that your, your zeal for God that you had died away. There's something you don't understand or there's something that you have been taught that is wrong. The way that you have designed that is apart from living in Christ is a wrong way. There is a way to live and that is to live that you live in Christ Jesus. And you live it by faith in the Son of God. Praise the Lord. So like I said earlier, the walking, that faith that, 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 that brought you, right, is also the walking of God. It's not something that you do. The human corresponding experience of being crucified, buried, and raised and lived is by faith. 
Praise the Lord. So he's, he's saying that, look, you have been saved. Something has happened to you, right? Something has happened to you. So the way you should go now is by faith in the Son of God. Like continue daring. Continue in the way that you have started, right? Continue in that way that God has set for you. So what is, so the evident, right, or a sign that you are united to Christ is the faith. Praise the Lord. Is your faith. To know that the life I live now, I live in Christ Jesus, right? I will continue to live like that in Christ Jesus, in faith, in Christ Jesus. So how does God relate to faith? How does God relate to faith? And we saw in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 13, he said, for in God, right? Or for God. So the person that brought you into Christ is God. So how does God relate to faith? How does God relate to faith? For but of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. This is what Christ has become for us, wisdom from God. Righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. The whole package. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8. It says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that is not of yourself. It is a gift from God. He said, for just that this. He said, for by grace, for by grace you have been saved through faith. Right? And that is not of yourself. That faith is not of your doing. Right? It is the gift of God. Your faith is a gift from God. So how you have been saved was not your doing. It is a gift from God. So that is how God relates to faith. The faith that you have or the faith that has brought you to salvation is a gift from God. It is God that gave it to you. Romans chapter 6 verse 17. He said, but God be thanked that Though you were a slave of sin, yet you obeyed from your heart the form of that form of doctrine in which you were delivered. Praise the Lord. So being obedient from the heart, right, is all rooted in faith. So faith rooted obedience is something that God gives. It is something that God gives to you. Praise the Lord. So let's go back to where we started. Romans chapter 8 from verse 1 to 2. He said, therefore, said, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Praise the Lord. So being in Christ is a miracle. It is the walking of God. It is not what you do. It is the walking of God. It is God that has made it happen for you. And he does it by uniting us to Christ. 
He does it by uniting us to Christ. Awakening faith in us. And passing a legal verdict that is no condemnation to you. And it gives us the power from the Spirit. Praise the Lord. And all these things are expressed in baptism. Praise the Lord. All these things are expressed in baptism. So, there is still a lot to go in Romans chapter 6. But I'm going to stop there for now. So this is how a believer is in Christ Jesus. This is how a believer is in Christ Jesus. We understand that it is God that has worked our salvation. It is him that has given us faith. It is him that has given us the power of the spirit. It is him that has given us all of these things and has declared us that there is no condemnation to us. There is no condemnation to us. So the life that you live now, you live in Christ Jesus. There is a new reality concerning your life. There is a, there is, there is a demand in following Jesus. Right? And that demand is to walk in your new reality. That demand is to walk in your new reality. That demand is to walk, to live in Christ Jesus. That demand is to fellowship with the Spirit and not the Word. That demand is to walk in your new reality. There is something about you that is new. He said, For you are a new creation, all things have passed away. Behold, the new has come. Behold, behold, all things have become new. You are a totally new person. The life that you live going forward should be in the newness of life, not in the old ways. Because this is what has become your reality. So if you find yourself struggling, if you find yourself in a situation where you feel like, this is, what, this is not what I should be doing or this is not what should be seen in my life. You want to find out what is the way of the new reality? What is God's design for me in this new reality? What is God's design for me in this new reality? So your new reality is to fellowship with one another. It's to fellowship in the spirit. 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and 14. And it's a prayer that, you know, is popularly known to us. That may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the sweet fellowship of the Holy abide with you now and forever. This is, this is your new reality. There is grace. There is love. Right? There's grace and there's love. And there's fellowship. You have fellowship with the Spirit. You have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. You know, there's this. I was listening to a man and he was saying that if you see somebody who is into some diabolical things, he would. They're very certain about certain. They're very certain about things. If you go to them, right? They have an answer for you. They have and they have an answer for you. If you ask them what is going on, they will tell you this is what's going on in your family. What about the believer that has fellowship with the Holy Spirit? Or is it that you don't fellowship at all? Is your delight not to grow, to fellowship, to understand your new dimension in God? So your new reality is to walk in the way of the Lord. To walk in the way of the Lord. To walk in the precepts of God. To walk in the way of the Lord. 
What is the way of the Lord? Not the way of the wilderness. Not the way that you have orchestrated for yourself. To walk in the way of the Lord. And the reason why you can do that is because you're a new person. The reason why you can do that is because there's new abilities on the inside of you. The reason why you can do that is that you have grace and you have love and you have fellowship. That is why you can do these things. To fellowship with one another. 1 John chapter 3, 1 John chapter 1 verse 7. 1 John chapter 7. Chapter 1, verse 7. He said, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus has cleansed us from all sins. Praise the Lord. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Your new way is the way of fellowship. The way of fellowshipping with one another. And this fellowshipping is not just that you have decided that, okay, whenever we say fellowship, the thing that comes to your head is that, you know, they want us to go and pray. Right? They want us, they are, they are all included, by the way. They want us to go and pray. Or they want us to go and, you know, teach the word or sit down and hear the word of the Lord, right? To fellowship also means that you have companies of believers around you. That those people are the people that are closest to you. Do you have believing friends? People that are believers. People that, that can encourage you. I can tell you that no matter how let me not use the word strong. Uh, no matter what you think, your friend has a great influence in your life. No matter how safe, self-proclaimed you are, your friend, the person closest to you, has an influence in your life. And you, did, you, did not, you will not choose what kind of influence they have. The fact that they are close to you there is an influence they have in your life. Are you around people that, that would help you to grow? To understand your new reality in God? Even with your Christian friends, do you, do you, what do you talk about? What do you do? Do we encourage each other? Or everybody's fake. Like we just we just come to eat and we laugh. So like, are you good? I'm good. And then we go. Do you, do you discuss what is really bothering you? Because God has not made those people who are independent. I know you like to think that you are independent, right? Or you are safe-made, you know, billionaire or whatever. Or you are a safe-made individual, right? But that's not the way God created you. He did not make you to be independent. He made you to be interdependent with each other. That's the cre that is the idea of God. So he did not carry you and then just say, he leave you there. You stay there. You will die. Right? He has made you such that you are you depend on each other. In places where your strengths are weak, the other person can encourage you. That is how you grow. That is how you, that is how you fellowship. So do you have people that drain you or do you have people that encourage you? And some of you want to, you know, just, you want to be around people that have money. Just people that have money. You're not a good friend. Because your relationship is, has condition in it. If that money goes, you go. So God has created us to 
Be dependent on each other. To grow in each other. There are areas of your life where you are weak. When you talk to somebody that will encourage you. Your battery will go 100%. If it's down to 50, you come back again. This is it. It will go up again. That's the way he has made you. There's, there's no way that you are everything. Praise the Lord. So, for example, I, my younger brother, he's, if he calls me, I probably start panicking, right? Because his demands are very high, and I don't know what happened to my heart, especially with him, right? So I need to talk to somebody. Say, this boy is calling me. You just tell me, guy, just tell him I'm not interested in whatever you're talking about. I'll tell him. I'll have the strength to tell him, young man, not today, right? But there's some area also that you will come. I don't think about it. So God has created us to depend on each other. And the fellowship of the Holy Spirit is important, but it's also a fellowship with fellow believers. That is how your life is shaping. Somebody can look at you. Some of you have friends that can tell you truth. You, you don't argue with your friend. Like if you argue with your friend, you have broken up. You, don't, you have not started life. Because if friend, somebody who is your friend, is somebody you can look in his eye and say, look, that thing you did is wrong. People can fight, but you know that the ultimate thing in their heart is love. They're looking for your best interest. So for people that come around you and whatever you say, yes, ma, yes, sir. So this is how you grow. Because you will have people that will challenge you, will challenge your faith, will tell you there's, there's more about you. There's much more about you. No friends that will tell you you will not amount to anything. You don't look like much. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 verse 42. He said, and they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Praise the Lord. Now, this is fellowship. They continue steadfastly in prayers. So, one of the ways in which you live in your new reality is that you fellowship in the place of the word. You want to know what the Bible says. You want to understand the doctrines. You want to understand the word of the Lord. You fellowship. And you break bread. Right? Don't be one of those people that like people come to your house, you don't serve them anything. You break bread and you pray as well. I had a man of God say that the opposite of prayers is the opposite of prayer is, is not prayerlessness, it is fainting. And Jesus said that men ought always to pray and not to faint. He said that the opposite of it is faint. If you stop praying, you start faint. It's just a matter of time. It's a matter of time. If you pray, if you pray, if you pray, your desires will change. And those prayer is not a prayer of, Lord, I need food. He told you that he will provide those things. It's a, it's a prayer of fellowship. I want to know you, right? The prayer of food, you will stop. I'm serious. You will stop. Because if that food comes, you will leave it. But the prayer of to know God will continue. The prayer of regarding the things of God will continue. Praise the Lord. So one of the things that will stop you from living in your new reality is that your gaze has been directed to the world. You have let the destruction of this world be your main thing. And when you continue to look to the glory of this world, 
you will begin to lose sight of the glory of God. You will begin to lose sight of the glory that you are. You will begin to lose sight of the glory that you shall be. And the, and the devil tempted him and showed him the, 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 the beautiful things of the earth. And said he should worship him. He did not say, okay, let me continue to look up. Right? If you continue to look into the glory of the world, your focus will change. Your desires will start to change. So don't have friends that want to show you the glory of the world. But rather seek to see the glory of God. And the place where we see the glory of God is a place of fellowship. is a place of prayer. is a place of the world. is a place where we practice, be doers of the world. That is where we see the glory of God. That is where we'll continue to see the glory of God. That is where we'll be going to see that your heart is captured by God. Your heart cannot be captured by God if you are not doing any of those. And when you look to God, the world begins to fade. Your priorities are different. Your desires become different. Your desires will change. So stay in the place of transformation. 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 You can do the will of God because you have the ability to do it. Because you have the power to do it. Because you have the grace to do it. Because you have the love to do it. Because you have the people around that will help you do it. Praise the Lord. Do not look at where you came from. It says you are a new creation. You are a new creation. In Hebrews, it tells us that if they thought, if they thought about where they come from, they'll probably have the opportunity to return. And do you know, the, if you're reading the Canonicals, do you, do, you, do you see that, right? That they, they, they begin to think of where they were coming from. That garlic is a very good food. Now, I took garlic maybe like two months ago. That garlic is smelling my cup. This is what they are, they are looking, they, they think of garlic as food. That's what happens when you begin to look at the world or your past. You begin to see glory that is useless, that is not meaningful. You begin to bring down yourself to a standard that you shouldn't. God has called you to be a pastor. You are 21 years old and you saw one beautiful lady. And then instead of you to, to want to find out what God is saying, you say you want to just enter this relationship and find out. You are 20, you will become 25. Your life has been confused, confused, confused. The way of the Lord has left you. You're not longer, you cannot see what God is saying again. So don't look at where you're coming from. There's something that happened to you. Is that you're a new creation. You do not have a past. That's what it means. There is no past. There is no history. There is no condemnation. Don't seek to return to Egypt. It's no longer your home. Egypt is not your home. You lived in it for 400 years. But it's no longer your home. Look into the possibilities of the Spirit. Your new life has possibilities. And I'm going to close by using Pastor Costin's analogy. If you have mastered drinking for 20 years, right, you are a new creation. It therefore means that the rest of your life, there is a new thing to master. And that is the possibilities of God. Thank you for listening to our sermon today. We hope you were blessed by this teaching. If you want to learn more about our church, please visit our website or follow us on social media. We would love to connect with you and hear your feedback. 
Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast channel and share it with your friends and family. You never know who might need a word of encouragement.